Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to answer some questions that a lot of people have been asking me the last couple of weeks and basically touch on the housing market and a little bit of the farming market. Then California and China. The basic numbers that are out there right now, CPI came out here a little while ago, 2%. Not bad. That won't hold. Unemployment's still 36 that might go lower. We had another rally in the bond market as all the yields are down, so the prices went up. And all the drama about oil, it's still $62 a barrel. Not bad. Now, housing prices across the country have been flat and slowly depreciating a little bit because the cost of living in them has been creeping up. The red line down here is basically the cost of the payment. Some of that is increase in prices. Some of that is increase, a little bit of increase in the cost of mortgages. And some of it is just the fact that the average price is getting more and more expensive all the time across the country. And this is some very rural locations as well. It's about 263 In California, which I'm going to talk about later in great detail, it's 503 Your basic educated two-person working family really can't afford to buy something there. Specifically, the price of homes is coming down all across the country. The black here is 2017. The orange is 2018. Portland, Los Angeles, Orange County, they're down noticeably, but still in positive numbers. San Jose has finally slipped into negative numbers. Inventory is increasing. Seattle is negative numbers. San Francisco is just barely holding on. That's just the nature of the pricing problem. The buyers, and a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the $40 billion that got invested in the United States in commercial property. And a couple of people asked me, well, how much of that was residential and who did it? Well, here it is. It's China. 15% of that $40 billion were the Chinese buying residences here, or what looked like a residential property followed by Canadians, Mexicans, and some Indians. Everybody else drops off the list. That's just sort of the part where people want to invest their money someplace where they know they can hang on to it. Brief farm report here. There's been a lot of impact on farming in the last couple of years, and it's not just based on tariffs. It's based on crop rotation and the fact that we have a big surplus and a lot of silos that are full of wheat, corn, rice, sorghum, a lot of things. If you can't sell your produce at a reasonable price, your net income goes down. And it's had an impact all across the country. This is just some of the specifics. It doesn't mean that farming is falling apart. It doesn't mean that tariffs or any political impact did this. It's crop rotation and being very good at what they do. We got a lot of wheat. And as long as we keep getting rain and there isn't some weird problem, we're going to continue to have a lot of it. It's a good thing because the rest of the world wants to buy it. Switch over to the markets. The white here is basically the bond market. That's the yield coming down. When the yield goes down with a bond, when the yield comes down, the price has gone up. So bonds have rallied again in the last couple of months. Price is up. I think this might be the bottom of the bond market. The Federal Reserve is going to stay at two and a half, two and three quarters. So the 10-year and some of these other 
bond products, junk bonds, muni bonds, treasuries, corporates, have enjoyed this rally, and they're going to wait to see what the Fed does here in the future. Whether it's raise or lower, we'll know later. The blue is the S&P 500. And everybody remembers last quarter, last year, we had an almost 20%. Well, correction, I wouldn't call it a correction, but it's down about 20%. It has since recovered from there and dropped back down again. After this earnings season, and the earnings were only very good, they weren't stellar, they were just very good, and a lot of people sell on very good. So we're going to have this again probably the end of summer. I think this recovery will come back very quickly, as will the rest this year. There's been a lot of talk about what's going on in California, and I'm just going to start with employment growth. It's not unlike the rest of California, though it's been slowing more and a little faster. A lot of technology companies know that the people they hire can't afford to live where they want them, so they live elsewhere or they move elsewhere. And that's been going on and probably becoming more precipitous. But the other issues in California are indicative of two kind of important things, water and power. Unfortunately, California measures their wildfires in millions of acres burned. Last year is about 1.6 million Interestingly enough, it's been since 2008, the beginning of the Great Recession, that they burned that much. Some of that is land management. Some of that is having the aquifer deleted. Some of that is PG&E, Pacific Gas and Electric, having a very tired and somewhat sparky and dangerous grid and transformers, all of that. The combination, however, electricity and how it's delivered the grid. We've already seen industrial grade projects that are doing everything they can to get off that PG&E grid. Don't blame PG&E. It's overextended. It's very expensive to add to it and to replace anything. So if you can figure out the technology to make your project, your apartment building, your factory, even a tiny community, energy independent, you've made a huge step forward. Technology's there. They'll probably work it out. Water is the other issue. Agriculture uses 80% of the water in the state of California, generates about 3.2% of GDP. It isn't necessarily a wise use of resources, but California's going to have to deal with their water right away. The reservoirs are full, that's fine. Lake Mead is not full, which is the big source. That's the Colorado River. I think they'll work something out. Probably the idea of growing strawberries and things like almonds in the state will come under review. It takes a gallon of water to grow one almond. Probably isn't very effective in a state that is gonna have to wisely distribute water to all of their citizens. Now, California has had issues like this in the past. Those of you that have seen Los Angeles, let's say in the 70s, will remember how bad the smog was. The basin down there was a cauldron of auto emissions, factory emissions, a lot of things. It was bad. I suggest next time you go through LA, you take a little time, like, we did about a month ago, 
Go up to Griffith Park, right up there by the Hollywood sign. 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning, Mindy and I are out there looking over the Los Angeles basin with four and a half million cars driving around. It's clear as a bell, crystal clear. All you could see is the two downtowns and they sparkled. Californians, with a lot of help from the EPA, faults and all, cleared up their air, made a big, huge, shining example of how to do it, and they didn't even have the technology at the time. The fact that technology exists to help with water distribution and relocate a lot of this agriculture and to get off the grid and generate your own electricity is gonna make those two problems a lot easier to resolve. And I don't think for a minute that the Californians won't work it out. So to answer the question, yes, California is still an attractive place to invest and we continue to do so. It is the ninth largest economy in the world and it's not going anywhere. There aren't any fundamental flaws. Just as a reminder, trade flows across the world are down. They're down mostly in Asia because a lot of the supply chain that feeds China has slowed because China is having a problem with a very important customer right now. Just to add some details here, the U.S. imports about $500 billion worth of goods from China. That equates to about 5%, 5% of our non-petroleum imports. We still import oil, even though we're the largest producer of oil on earth right now. 15% of non-petroleum imports, which is what we get from China, is about 1.4% of total U.S. GDP, 1.5%. So if there's a 25% tariff applied to that, that'll have less than four-tenths of 1% impact on prices. Tariffs in the world of the consumer are not inflationary, will have very little impact. Those that pay these tariffs are the actual importers who will transfer the prices on to you. Well, if that particular good from China costs too much, you don't think it's worth it, buy something else. It's not inflationary if the product isn't essential. The things that come in from China in the biggest numbers, cell phones. If your iPhone is too much money, buy a different one. Laptops, flat screens, all that electronic manufacturing that's cheap there and kind of dirty, we'll see how the prices adjust. But if you go down the, this list, you'll see it's mostly technology. The manufacturing side, they will probably continue to import that stuff because it's cheap to build it there. For example, camera maker, I didn't know who GoPro was, but I guess they build things for helmets. They're moving their production to Guadalajara. Steve Madden, which as it turns out, makes shoes, is moving to Cambodia. Ford Motor with another announcement today of getting rid of about 7,000 people. They've abandoned any idea of importing cars manufactured in China. That's long gone. They'll probably have a tariff on it anyway. But are reinforcing their idea of building specific models in China by the Chinese for the Chinese market. Great. Materials are cheap there. Labor is very cheap there. They don't have the Department of Transportation to deal with. They can build what they want under the Ford badge. That's what they should be doing. And finally, and probably the big one, Foxconn out of Taiwan, 
basically announced that they're going to be building the iPhones for the India market in India, not in China. Huge. They're going to probably put a 12-year-old phone out there in the marketplace and sell it for 35 bucks a head, well, which is what the average Indian could afford. So build it in India. Don't import it from China. That is pervasive in what's going on in the slowing of global trade. Here's basically China and how it's been impacted in interacting with investors and things here in the U.S. on the far left is strategic and financial investment going on in China. It's dropped significantly. A lot of things that dollar investors have been investing in China has simply stopped. Whether they're unpopular or whether it isn't attractive anymore doesn't mean much other than it is stopped. The same for the middle chart here. This is investing in the electronics industry. The huge years of all the money that went to invest in electronics was for the technology, manufacturing, and the plant for flat screens, cell phones, the rest of that stuff. That has dropped significantly too. Today, I don't think it's likely that investment like that will be going forward. Foxconn is going to go to Michigan and the rest of the country. They're simply going to find alternatives. And the fact that the tariffs have been dropped from Canada and Mexico regarding their steel and aluminum will simply help buy more options for people to manufacture, at least here in the Western Hemisphere. That's how that adjusts. That isn't driven by tariffs. That's driven by purchasers and consumers looking at alternatives. Now, lastly, all the way to the right, that's the number of Chinese students in the United States in college. It's about 350,000. It's very important for a Chinese family who has the money to either get their student into Canada or better yet, in the United States. As long as they have dollars to pay for it, I'm not mentioning the, the scam that was going on and getting kids into Stanford or a bunch of other schools, but as long as they have basic tuition dollars to pay for it, it will probably be an important piece of business to have their college students educated here. This is the important part of the banter in the media between tariffs and world trade and all the rest of the issues. The glory days of a booming Chinese economy are over, and I've talked about this before. It's going to slow, it's going to stay slowed. You have a certain amount of debt out there in the marketplace, and adding to it has diminishing returns, which is going on right now. The other fundamental issue, and this is hugely important, China needs to have dollars. Their currency, the yuan, the renminbi, isn't very popular around the world. This is the issuance of international debt that China has offshore. And all those countries buy and sell those bonds and initially purchase those bonds with dollars. They expect to be paid back with dollars. This dollar amount, which is now about $2 trillion, is going to have to be paid back with dollars. China has about $3 trillion in total U.S. dollar currency reserves. It's really not nearly enough to pay off their debt and continue to do the other part of what they need dollars for. That's buy food and energy. They can't feed themselves. American farmers prefer dollars rather than yuan. Interestingly enough, those that have the marketing power to say so don't accept the yuan. 
and energy. Oil contracts are settled in U.S. dollars. China needs a lot of energy. So regardless of what goes on in the political arena or regardless of what trade deal comes up, these fundamentals aren't going to change. They need the dollars to buy the stuff that's critically important to them. We don't need yuan for any reason at any time. And we're in the process of diversifying where we have low-end manufacturing and specialized electronic manufacturing done. Nice way of saying, China has a problem. Don't worry about it. They'll probably work it out. And you'll very likely have different names on made in in the next 10 years, some of which you probably haven't heard before. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Hopefully I answered some questions that I got a lot of the last couple of weeks. I'm happy to deal with them. Remember, it's info at shwj.com. I'll put it in one of these broadcasts. And I appreciate you joining me.